Welcome to episode 6 of Unchurchable. It amazes me how many topics arise when we start to talk about making church accessible for all people, taking on issues of doctrine or experiential inequality that can make it difficult for a person to take part. The truth is that church is easy for a lot of us, but for others it's darn hard. But that doesn't mean that any person, in my view, should be excluded from owning their faith and expressing it. Today's topic was suggested to me by a listener, and to be honest, I'm a little annoyed I didn't think of it first. It's the topic of disability and inclusion in church. As an area, it's a bit too broad to talk about all in one hit, so I'm starting by talking about autism and autism spectrum disorders. It can easily be an area that we overlook, not for lack of intentions, but for lack of information. We know that for some neurotypical people, the noises, smells, sensations and interactions in crowded spaces like a church foyer are a lot. Now imagine that you're on the autism spectrum, when your experience of strange places, lack of routines, social interactions en masse and sensory overload can all be present in the experience. Here's what I know. Neurodiverse people, that is people with autism spectrum disorders or other disabilities, are precious to God. Their carers and families are precious to God. And I'm thrilled that Tonya Nash from the Autism Faith Network agreed to interview for the podcast to help spread the word about how we can better cater for people with disabilities. I love her heart, I love her message, and I love her speaking voice. This lady is made for podcasting, I tell you. Anyway, make yourself a cup of coffee and enjoy this week's episode. I'm Kit Kennedy, and this is Unchurchable. Hello, and welcome to Unchurchable. I'm Kit Kennedy, and I'm here with Tonya Nash. Tonya is from the Autism and Faith Network. Sorry, the Autism Faith Network. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Um, this is a really exciting topic for me to be uh, to be talking about. It was actually suggested by a listener that we have a bit of a chat about disability and inclusion in church. And I'm just so excited that Tonya agreed to come on the podcast and talk about it. So how are you this morning, Tonya? I am doing great. I hope that you're doing well as too. Yeah. Now, can you tell me, A, where are you based and how did the Autism Faith Network come about? Okay, well, I live in the metro Atlanta area in um, United States, in Atlanta, Georgia. And the Autism Faith Network came about in around 2016. And it started um, based upon some life experiences that uh, my family and I have had. Mm -hmm. Um, We have two sons with autism. And so um, around about 2013, uh, we had difficulty with taking our oldest son to church because he was having a hard time adapting to the environment there and so um some one of the church members saw the predicament that we were in and they decided to start a special needs ministry just for our son and so we were really touched by that and um it was awesome because he got that one-on-one um care the bible Mm -hmm. studies and Mm -hmm. they created special lessons just so that he could understand them and um over time that ministry grew and so he wasn't the only one for a while that's amazing that's and so he had classmates and and it really worked out great and so in 2014 i started a blog series to talk about the importance of special needs ministry and how it blessed my family yeah And it got a lot of attention, a lot of comments, a lot of shares. And Mm -hmm. I really wasn't expecting um, to receive the 
the response that it got. And so it had me thinking, oh, we must not be the only people that are experiencing this issue with taking our children to church that have autism. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, over time, you know, I kept thinking to myself, somebody needs to do something about this. Somebody (laughs) needs to say something. (laughs) Oh, that's somebody. That's somebody else. You know, (laughs) somebody else needs to do this. Somebody (laughs) needs to make a difference in this area. And so... um, One year, um, I decided I was going to do something for Autism Awareness Month in April. Mm. And this was January of 2016. And I was sitting in the parking lot of an office um, supply store. And the (laughs) idea just came to me to ask my um, friends who were active at their places of worship if they would be willing to uh, do a program at their church for autism Mm -hmm. awareness month like you know have some kind of special activity to teach their church members about autism and then when they did their activity you know i would ask them to you know take a picture of it you know see how many people are participating and then um you know i'll give them the toolkits because i'm a public health educator by trade And so I said, I can provide them with a toolkit. I can provide Mm -hmm. them with the resources, the fact sheets or whatever they need. And then they can um, pass that along to their church. And then at the end, I could provide them like a letter of thanks and a certificate of appreciation for participating. And I wasn't sure how many people would participate. I just wanted to kind of, you know, spread the word about autism awareness in places of worship. Yeah. I had 16 friends that agreed to do that. Yeah, that's amazing. (laughs) Yes, and it kind of blossomed from there. But the whole point of it was to just, you know, get churches to understand that there is a population out here where um, the families probably would love to attend church, but there has to be some Mm. accommodations made so that it could be a place where um, those with autism will feel comfortable and the families would feel welcomed. Yeah. Now, I that's a it's an amazing ministry. I kind of I sit here and I, I'm just thinking about the population that um, my church exists in, or that um, I'm soon to move to Melbourne. Like the the populations that uh, that go to church, you know, they're many and varied. And I just um, I wanted to talk about this because I think. The autism, we, we now kind of refer to it as an autism spectrum disorder, don't we? Because autism can mean many different things to many different people. One of the things that is almost always present is difficulties with sensory processing, isn't it? Can you talk me through what autism is and what it is like for a child or even an adult with autism to attend a place of worship where there's a lot going on? <laughs> Yes. Well, you know, autism is a developmental disorder that affects the brain. And so, you know, it can cause problems with a person's ability to communicate, you know, problems with behavior and problems with social interaction. You Mm -hmm. know, they may not always understand social cues and um, they may have issues where, like you mentioned, um, they may uh, process things differently with their senses. And so when a person with autism attends church, sometimes they may um, have have problems with the volume levels or the sound mm-hmm. levels of how loud mm-hmm. it may be when they go. Um, you know, some churches have, you know, 
lighting systems where there's flashing <laughs> lights and that can be an issue. Um, you know, you have crowds and lots of people talking at one time. Um, yeah. That can be an issue. And then also you have um, these social interactions where, you know, people like to hug on you. you oh know, my people, gosh. Yes, <laughs> people like to touch on you and, you know, <laughs> Sometimes persons with autism are very uncomfortable with that. And yeah. so um, all of those things can kind of cause an issue. Mm-hmm. I know with my son, my oldest son, um, when we he was younger, um, we had difficulty attending church and taking him inside of a sanctuary because yeah. it would really just make him so upset. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was an unpredictable um, mm-hmm. environment and it was just really difficult for him to adjust to. Yeah. And so um, when the one particular incident that started the special needs ministry was that um, the church had a special play going on that day and they yeah. canceled children's church, which meant that he <laughs> had to go into the sanctuary. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of you know, just stood there for a minute because I knew that my son would not mm-hmm. <laughs> go in that sanctuary. Yes. Oh, gosh. And then the lady, um, a lady saw me and saw kind of the situation that we were going through and volunteered to sit with my son um, outside yeah. of the sanctuary and give him some little fun tasks to do during the yeah. service. And then yeah. she was touched later to start the special needs ministry. That's that's beautiful. And it's just reflecting back on you sitting outside the office supply store. Um, <laughs> isn't it interesting that sometimes we're, we're looking and we're waiting for other people to start that ministry <laughs> yes. um, or for somebody to tap us on the shoulder and say, I see God on you. Let's see. I think you should do this. Um, but sometimes it's it's the inspiration in those moments that we've got to lean into and realize that we're the ones that are seeing a gap or a lack or an area where people need to see the love of God shown to them in a different way. So I, I kind of I kind of love that it happened in an office supply store parking lot that is my happy yes. place well not the parking lot so much but um <laughs> yeah but yeah it's it's my happy place too but you know a lot of times we see a need in something because we're the one that can yeah. feel the need but mm, a lot yes. of times we feel inadequate or we feel like we're incapable mm-hmm. of, of meeting that need but a lot of times what we we already have inside of us what's needed to make yeah. things happen yeah, I love that. I love that. And, you know, just reflecting on this issue of, of autism and you, you said about the hugging, I'm not a hugger. I struggle with that and I understand social cues and I I can interact with people quite easily and I struggle when somebody I don't want to hug me has hugged me. Uh-huh. So for, an, for a person with autism, this would be just 10 times more difficult you know, to handle, like it would be so much more difficult for them to handle um, all of that, that sensory stuff that's going on in that moment and all of the interpersonal stuff that's going on in that moment. And church foyers, I've got two young kids. Um, and for me as a parent, keeping an eye on them and, and, and knowing where they are at all times, that's a, that's a lot that's going on there. And the reason I'm reflecting with me is I'd like to invite my listeners to reflect what that might be like for somebody who has real difficulties in social or noisy or very stimulated environments when it comes to, you know, smells and sounds and lights and stuff like that. So what can churches do to make it easier for people with autism and their parents or carers? 
You know, um, that's something that, you know, I've been thinking about a lot and um, especially with the Autism Faith Network about tools that we could provide churches with so that they can yeah. know how to adequately reach out to these families. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things, um, and these are just little small things that churches can do, is provide headphones. So, you know, okay. sometimes when you have choirs singing, mm -hmm. um, you know, loud sound systems, you know, the sounds can be overwhelming. And so yeah. headphones can help mute some of the sounds yeah. um, that occur. Um, sometimes persons with autism uh, use headphones, you know, just to kind of help them um, not get overwhelmed um, yeah. when there is thunderstorms and things like that or bad mm -hmm. weather. Um, my boys use headphones a lot. And yeah. so headphones can be very helpful um, with some of the sensory issues. Yeah. Um, they can also provide like um, fidget toys, things that, you know, um, persons can oh. hold in their hands to yeah. kind of help with the sensory things. Yeah. Um, they can also provide um, a buddy, like say for instance, if your child is wanting to go to children's church, yes, then they can provide a buddy's program where yeah. there's like maybe if you have a young child, maybe like a teenager or a young adult mm -hmm. or even an adult, that yeah. someone that could kind of sit with them and help them um, you know, stay on task, you know, or yeah. help them along with the lesson, you know, yeah. that could be helpful. You know, um, they could provide, you know, like a schedule for whenever the children come to children's church, you know, that yeah. person, that child could have a special place that they see, sit yep. every time they come or, you know, have like a special schedule of what's going to happen. Because sometimes um, it's difficult for persons with autism when they don't have a schedule and they don't know what to expect. Because <laughs> routine, <laughs> routine is quite important for a lot yes. of people with autism. Isn't yes. It? Having a mm. schedule and knowing um, what's going to happen is very helpful. And so if you have like a schedule of yeah. what's going to happen, that would be very helpful to yeah. them. Um, okay. So there's quite a few things that, you know, churches can do. Yeah. So I'm just reflecting on my church experience. Um, so usually what happens is the first couple of songs, all of the kids are in the sanctuary and then there's kind of the announcements and the bulletin, all that sort of thing. And then during the third song, a banner will come up across the bottom of the um, the like projection board where we read the lyrics to songs and it'll say that church, uh, that kids church is now starting. And then it's this mass stampede. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the great exodus. Like just So um, would it be helpful for churches where there are people with or children with autism to perhaps let them go out first so that they're in? It, like but so that they don't have to stand in that mass stampede or so that they don't have to rush or um have you seen other churches do things like um I, I remember a special school that I, I used to that I back in another life that I'd funded a program for they had a lot of children with autism and they'd have these sensory rooms where if a child got overstimulated they could kind of sit there and calm down and be in a um in an environment that is friendly 
but isn't overstimulated. Yeah. I know that I know that a lot of churches don't have huge amounts of spare space, but you know, are there creative ways that we can help people um, kind of bring the stimulation levels down when they're they're feeling that kind of need to, yeah, to move? <laughs> yes. Well, you know, I do think that it would be a good a good idea to let um, someone with autism, um, you know, leave out maybe a little bit earlier, or maybe even come in after everyone has been situated so that they don't uh -huh. have to get caught into all of the the traffic <laughs> of everybody moving from yeah. place to place. Mm -hmm. um, sensory rooms are excellent for yeah. um, helping, you know, um, those who may deal with sensory issues. And then, um, you know, I know you had mentioned that some churches may not have a lot of space, but um, there could be, it could maybe even be a corner of a room. Yeah. Um, and have like a pop-up tent in that area where ah, they can yeah. go inside the tent and then maybe have some fidget toys, yeah. um, you know, or maybe a beanbag chair in there yeah. or something that they can um, relax and get that sensory input that they need, you know, stress yeah. balls, you know, or exercise ball or something like that to kind yeah. of help them to block out everything that's going to have headphones on. So, yeah. you know, that could be something that, you know, could be very helpful. Yeah. Now, I want to also talk about perceptions of people with autism. Now, we've spoke before about how it's a it's a spectrum. So, mm -hmm. you might not know that somebody is autistic or has autism, sorry. Um but you also it might be quite obvious that they um have autism or an autism spectrum disorder. That doesn't mean necessarily that they aren't incredibly aware of what's going on, that they aren't taking everything in. And certainly that it doesn't mean that they're not responsive in their own way to issues of faith and inclusion. Would that be a correct um, statement? Absolutely. I mean, like you said, autism is a spectrum. And so um, you may have some that are verbal and some that are nonverbal. But even if a person with autism is nonverbal, that doesn't mean that they can't communicate. Mm -hmm. um, there are some persons with um, that are that are nonverbal who communicate with um, certain devices, like you know, with an iPad that speaks for them. Yeah. And so um, whenever you're interacting with someone with a disability, you should interact with them just like you interact with anyone else. You know, you shouldn't yeah. make the assumption that because they have an, a disability that they're unable to communicate with you. Yeah. And um, that's one thing um, I think that's very important for people to know, you know, that um, you shouldn't assume mm -hmm. that they are unable to communicate just because they have a disability. Yeah, um, I think it's an important thing to talk about because um, obviously I, I want to get your opinion on faith healing and disability. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a bit of a personal issue for me um, in a different way. And I, I don't like putting all disability under the one banner. Um, so I'm hoping that you're actually the first interview of a couple talking about disability and, and various different issues when it comes to inclusion and I think faith healing is an important thing because um, a little bit of background, I had an accident at gymnastics when I was uh, 11 and in that accident I uh, shattered my elbow and dislocated my shoulder but the shoulder didn't get picked up as dislocated for years and so I was often in a sling, I was often um, unable to, to have my arm just out by its side and 
what became a struggle for me was that I would go to church and somebody would kind of pray for me. And then because I didn't get healed, there'd be a lot of shame involved in like, you know, they'd be like, oh, I prayed for you last week. You know, why aren't you healed? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Ask God. Like, (laughs) 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 Um, but it was, but it was very clear that I had an accident and something bad had happened to me. Um, in terms of like my, the the elbow would lock up and there was floating bone in there. But with a a developmental um, issue or a sensory processing issue or something like autism spectrum, what's it like for parents being in this environment where faith healing might be a thing or there might be, you know, how, how do we respect the parents of children with autism and how do we give space for these people to be respected as whole and as valid and valued within a church context? You know, this is a huge topic for me. Um, When my oldest son was first diagnosed, um, people were saying some of everything to my Mm -hmm. husband and I about it. You know, oh, you don't have enough faith. That's why he's not healed. Um, Oh, Mm -hmm. you must have done something wrong. And that's why he's not healed. And it can be really damaging for parents to hear messages like this. You know, um, the Bible actually talks about um, this very topic in um, the book of John, chapter nine, mm-hmm. um, the disciples asked Jesus, there was a blind man and the disciples asked Jesus, um, this man's been blind from birth. And he said, um, who sinned, this man or his parents? And then Jesus yeah. said, nobody said <laughs> this is so that I can get the glory. You know, yeah. I can use his life. And I think that's one thing that we really have to look at in our, um, at our churches and in our places of worship is that um, just because someone may have a disability, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that God can't use them or he yeah. can't use their life um, yes. by what's going on. And I think that if we look at people um, just in the from the lens of their disability, I think yeah. we're already doing them and ourselves a, a disservice because mm. people with disabilities they are part of the body of Christ, yeah. um, and that if you know you don't have people with disabilities at your church, then you're you're not complete because yeah. God created us all and He made um, each of us different. And that's okay. And if he made us that way, then obviously it's okay. You know, um, (laughs) you know, and um, and, in Moses, you know, Moses had a speech impediment. Yes. And God said, you know, I can still you who made your mouth. You know, he said, you know, I'm still going to allow you to lead the people. You know, Mm -hmm. now he gave him his brother Aaron to use as a mouthpiece. But Moses was still in charge of what happened. And God used him with his disability. That's really interesting. He gave him Aaron as his mouthpiece, but mm-hmm. but what we're seeing here is the importance of partnership when yes. it comes to um, people with a disability. Um, and I like that the language has changed. We don't say, and I, I misspoke before I said uh, autistic, um, we say people with autism now. We say people with a disability because they are not their disability. They are far more than their disability. Um so we need to find ways for our language and our uh, our presentation to to consider that. Um, I often think of people with Down syndrome, and we've debated this. Uh, some friends and I have debated this before. 
you know, we always talk about how we'll be healed in eternity. I don't know that people with Down syndrome would be any different in eternity because they're just such beautiful souls. Like the pe I know I'm making a generalization here, but it seems like that extra chromosome came with an ability to just love without judgment and to just get through to people in such a special way. Um, so, you know, I think we have to be careful the way we talk about people with, with disability because there's special um, assets, I think, in the way they see the world that makes them diverse or that makes them, you know, neurodiverse or that makes them a little bit different that we actually can can learn a lot from if we sit and spend time with them and try to understand what things are like for them. Um, yeah, that's my kind of personal thing. I'm just... <laughs> I mean, we really have to embrace diversity. I mean, you know, if God wanted us all to be the same, he would have made us all the same. But he yeah. Didn't. yeah, and everybody has something unique to bring to the table. We just have to be willing and open to um, see it and to be able to welcome and appreciate the gifts that everybody brings to the table. Yeah. So I, I want to ask you about um, your in your experience, um, <laughs> this this could be a really really just I'm not going to say this is a dumb question but people with autism even if they're nonverbal can be Christians they can you know in their own way respond to God and respond to faith because we never know what's going on inside um, mm -hmm. so what's what's your experience been as a parent of a person of faith who also has autism well you know. My boys, they love God. They love church. My oldest son, he talks sometimes about wanting to be a pastor. So, <laughs> yes, he does. Aww. He actually, when he was five years old, um, and this was before he was even really talking, yeah. um, there was um, a beautiful church in the city that we lived in. And he would always ask me to um, ride by that church. Yeah. And I was like, why does he want to ride by this church? And then one day he came home and he drew it and he drew oh. it almost exactly like oh, it was. Goodness. And so then he started drawing churches yeah. all the way up until he turned 10. And then we put him in art classes and then he started painting them. Yeah. And now he builds Lego churches. <laughs> and so, you know, that's beautiful. <laughs> yes. He builds Lego churches um, for Easter. He built the inside of a sanctuary. Yeah. And so, you know, we can't assume that they can't have a relationship with God because they yeah. can. You know, my oldest, he, he loves to pray. My youngest yeah. son with autism, he loves to sing. He loves gospel yeah. music. And so he sings all the time. <laughs> and <laughs> so they both have their own um, relationship with God. And I think that, you know, we just can't make the, the assumption about um, how much they understand because some, I believe that they understand a lot more than what we give them credit for. Yeah. And this, uh, what you said just then is important because um, reflecting back, and I hope I get this story right, there was a girl by the name of Carly Fleischman who, um, I don't know whether you've heard of her, but uh, she was she became a bit of a mover and a shaker in the autism world. She was, I believe, 17 or 18 and nonverbal. Mm -hmm. um, and at, at one particular point she was having a meltdown and she during that meltdown she went behind the couch with um, her, her parents ipad i think and she typed help in it and at that point they realized that carly could type uh -huh. <laughs> and that she could she could 
express herself through writing, but she couldn't express herself through words. She later went on to go to, uh, to college and to, um, to do a lot for people with autism in terms of aiding uh, in understanding what it's like to be inside that brain. Um, it blew my mind just how much she had learned, how much she knew and understood um, that up until that point where she typed that one word into the iPad, people would have had no idea. So um, interacting with respect towards people with disabilities is one thing. Treating their parents with respect is another thing. Um, being careful about the messaging we use when we talk about things like disability in terms of why it happened. The truth is we don't know. But one of those reasons might be so that God can be glorified and so that we can uh, learn and it might not actually be about, <laughs> you know, like I think we try, to, we, we try to give meaning to things where sometimes it's just something that happened and now it's down to how we react to it. Um, what would you ask churches and people in churches to understand about people with autism and their families in terms of making them feel comfortable, valued and able to participate in faith to the fullest extent? Well, you know, I think that um, churches being welcoming to special needs families is a win-win for both sides. Yeah. So um, when that happens, if they have um a way to accommodate the person with special needs, then guess what? The mm -hmm. parents can participate in the ministry as well. So, you know, the yeah. parents might have a gifting and, and song. They might be good at singing. You mm -hmm. know, they might be good in admin, whatever. So then they get the benefit of the parents' participation. You know, if there's a sibling, they get the blessing yeah. of the sibling participating. And yep. then also... Um, when churches open their arms out to special needs families, they're doing the will of God. Because, you know, yeah. um, when Jesus talked about the Great Commission, he didn't talk about just going to people who were abled. You know, mm -hmm. he talked he talked about going and spreading the gospel to everyone. And that yeah. includes persons with special needs. Um, you know, I f saw one study where it said persons with autism are almost two times more likely to never attend church than mm -hmm. someone without a health condition. And so, you know, as churches, we have to be intentional about yeah. making sure that we are um, able to accommodate everyone that wants to walk through our doors yeah yeah and that is that is just so important and i guess um i guess the point of this the point of this podcast you know unchurchable <laughs> it's mm -hmm. about it's about making church uh, it's about being able to talk about the things that make church difficult for for some disability i think is a big one um because i'll admit that on the days where i had to wear my arm in a sling it was hard for me to walk through those doors um mm -hmm. because i i feared the judgments and i, I feared the comments and I, I was i just didn't want to have to have the conversation over and over and over again oh what did you do to yourself well the accident was 10 years ago now and yeah. you know like so being able to actually sit in this space and think about what what church is like for somebody who experiences it differently is a really powerful thing, I think. So I really thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, what is next for the Autism Faith Network? 
That's a good question. Well, I'm hoping that um, this year we're planning to do more um, than one activity per year. And so we're planning on maybe doing multiple events throughout the year. Um, Right now, the focus is on um, our activities that we have during Autism Awareness Month. But we're hoping to expand to um, additional activities throughout the year, um, possibly reaching out to communities Mm -hmm. to do more um, autism awareness events. And so we're still planning on um, different things um, to spread the word about, you know, um, autism awareness in places of worship. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's a really, um, you've got a great message just in terms of, A, being able to offer the practical assistance to to churches that um, have people with disabilities in attendance, but I think also just to be able to cause us to stop and take stock and ask the question of what can we do to make it easier for people, for their parents and carers, for their siblings. And you're right, when we have a rich tapestry of diversity within churches, um, including people with disabilities. Um, It's really us who has everything to gain and we are really doing the will of God. So um, it's a very important message you've got. Thank you so much, Tonya. And before you go, can you just tell us where we can get good information or where we can find you on the interwebs? You can find us at autismfaithnetwork.com. That's our website. And you can also find us on Facebook. We post regularly on Facebook and we're facebook.com slash autismfaithnetwork. All right. Go look it up, people. This is Tonya Nash from the Autism Faith Network. And this is the Unchurchable Podcast. Have a great week. See you next time. So there we have it. A bit more of a practical uh, chat this week, but it's nice to balance that out with all the other heavy stuff we get into. And it's a really important thing just to be able to sit in that space and think about what the experience of uh, faith and community might be like for somebody whose uh, neurological reality is a little bit different or for somebody whose sensory processing is a little bit different. Uh, what I do know is that these people are all loved by God, all so uh, precious to God, and it's important for us to be able to treat them with the respect and inclusion that they deserve. And I just i am so happy that Tonya could come along and talk to us about it. Um, next week is a surprise, mainly because I haven't organized it. But I do hope that you'll tune in because whatever it is, it's going to be great. I'm Kit Kennedy. This is Unchurchable. <laughs>